0: My brothers and sisters, you're a wonderful sight. You remind me so much of an experience I had several months ago when I stood before a capacity audience in the Marriott Center at Brigham Young University. Before me were precious young men and young women. They represented the hopes and the dreams, the ambitions of family, of parents, leaders, teachers, even of God. I contemplated that each one was a participant in the passing parade of mortality. Some were gifted in the arts. Others were inclined toward the humanities. Others pursued the rigorous disciplines of the physical and natural sciences. They were students on the stage of study. And soon they would disperse, make their marks in the world, fill the measure of their creation, and learn in their own experience the lessons that would help them qualify for the very exaltation they were seeking. Then I thought of others, desiring to be skilled artisans, master craftsmen. They, too, were preparing at technical institutions and vocational institutions. But then, sadly, my thoughts turned to that vast army of young men and young women who had abandoned preparation, who had chosen unwisely their friendships, and who had adopted those practices and habits which had turned them away from the pathway which leads to perfection, and cunningly led them down the detours, the dead end in sorrow and sadness. The wayward son, the willful daughter, I might add the pouting husband or the nagging wife, All can change. There can come a parting in the clouds, a break in the storm. Maturity, spoken of by Brother Ashton, can come. Friendships vary, circumstances alter. Cast in concrete need not apply to human behavior. When viewed from the eternal perspective, our sojourn in mortality is ever so brief. Detours are costly. They must be avoided. We must not permit the spiritual self to be dominated by the physical self. It behooves us, each one, to remember who each one of us is and what God expects him or her to become. It was the poet William Wordsworth who so beautifully pointed us to that heavenly home from which came each one of us. He said that our birth is but a sleep and a forgetting. The soul that rises with us, our life star, hath had elsewhere its setting, and cometh from afar, not in entire forgetfulness, nor in utter nakedness, but trailing clouds of glory do we come from God, who is our home. By pursuing that trail, that link with the infinite, we discover that we are the recipients of heavenly help. Our God will ever be with those who place in Him their trust. Oh, may we place that trust in our Heavenly Father. It was the wise man Job who declared, There is a spirit in man, and the inspiration of the Almighty giveth understanding. My brothers and sisters, it's only when we permit the lamp of inspiration to burn low that we move on a level far below our potential. During the Great Depression, the homeless, the vagabonds, the hungry, rode the rails which passed not far from our home in Salt Lake City. Very frequently, there would be a knock at the back door. And when I would answer the door, there I would see one man, maybe two, ill-fed, ill-clothed. Yes, frequently ill-educated. One would occasionally hold in his hand the familiar cap, revealing a tousled head of hair and an unshaved face. Always the question was the same. Son, do you think your mother would have a little food for a hungry man? My dear mother invariably responded with a pleasant, won't you come in the kitchen and sit down at the table? She would then busy herself making a ham sandwich, cutting a piece of apple pie, pouring a glass of cold milk. And then while our visitor ate, mother would talk. She would ask him about his family, his future, his children. She gave encouragement. When our visitor would stand to leave, he would express a gracious thank you. I was young, but I wasn't too young, but what I didn't notice that a smile of content had replaced a look of despair, and that eyes that had been dull now glowed with a new purpose. Love, that noblest attribute of the human soul, had once again worked It's mighty wonder. It can work for you. It worked then. As we journey through life, we discover that life is filled with challenges. They just vary from one person to another. We're all success-oriented. Unfortunately, some strive to become wonder women and supermen. Any thought of failure leaves them jaded, almost on the point of despair. But who among us has not experienced moments of failure? I remember one that came to me when I was a young basketball player. The game was hotly contested. The coach gave me a key play. I entered the playing floor and took the pass from out of bounds, dribbled the basketball down the floor through my own teammates, through the opposing team members, and then I went up high for the shot. And just as the basketball left my fingertips, I came to the horrible realization that I was shooting for the wrong basket. I offered the shortest prayer I've ever offered in my life. I simply said, Dear Father, please don't let that ball go in. And my prayer was answered. The ball rimmed around the hoop and fell out. And while my prayer was answered, my ordeal. My ordeal was just beginning. I heard from the adoring fans in the cheering section a loud and prolonged chant that everyone could hear. I can never forget it. They shouted, We want Monson! We want Monson! We want Monson! Out! and the coach obliged. (laughs) We cannot let those experiences get the best of us. All of us have had them, and we'll have more of them. Not long back, I was reading something about the life of President Harry S. Truman. He had retired from public office and was now at the Truman Center in Independence, Missouri. He had just taken a group of young boys and girls through a tour of the center. And one little shy, owlish-looking boy asked a question of President Truman. He said, Mr. Truman, when you was a boy, was you popular? President Truman looked at him and said, no, I was never popular. The popular boys were the ones who were good at games and had big, tight fists. I was never like that. Why, without my glasses, he said, I was blind as a bat. I suppose to tell you the truth, I was a sissy. The little boy began to applaud. (laughs) And then all the boys and girls applauded. They had heard the truth. We must realize that ours is the responsibility To rise from mediocrity to competence, from failure to achievement, to be our best selves, and to realize that no failure need be final. I think of that experience in 1902, a long time ago, when the editor of Atlantic Monthly returned to a young 28 year old poet a sheaf of poems along with a note saying, Our magazine has no place for your rigorous verse. The poet, Robert Frost. I think of England, Harrow, the rhetoric teacher who wrote on the report card of a 16-year-old boy a conspicuous lack of success. The 16-year-old boy was Winston Churchill. It was President Theodore Roosevelt who said, It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or how the doer of good deeds could have done more. The credit goes to the one who is in the arena. Now, we all know men and women in the arena who have demonstrated that they could change and change for the better. A favorite of mine is Saul of Tarsus. He persecuted the saints of the Lord. And then came that light from heaven, and that heavenly voice calling to him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Who art thou, Lord, he said. I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. Paul's rejoinder was worthy of emulation. Lord, what would thou have me do? Saul, the persecutor, became Paul, the proselyter. Night had turned to day, and darkness had been dispelled by light. I think of Simon Peter, the fisherman, who left his nets and followed the Lord. He too had his moments of failure. Remember one, a moment of weakness, where he denied the Lord with an oath? But then came conversion and Peter found his place in the kingdom of God. On this continent, I think of Alma the Younger, who turned from sinful practices and wasteful ways. He became an exponent of the truth and his instruction to his sons Helaman and Corianton. Real gems. To Helaman he said, Remember, my son, and learn wisdom in thy youth. Yea, learn in thy youth to keep the commandments of God. And to Corianton, suffer not yourself to be led away by any vain or foolish thing. Conversion had come. It was President David O. McKay who loved to teach, the gospel of Jesus Christ can make bad men good and good men better, can alter human nature and change human lives. In December of 1985, The First Presidency sent a special proclamation to the inactive, to the critic, to the transgressor. The proclamation contained the words, Come back, come back and feast at the table of the Lord and taste once again the sweet and satisfying fruits of fellowship with the Saints. Hundreds, if not thousands, have come back. Their lives have been blessed. Their families have been strengthened. I believe their souls have been saved. Deep within the personal conscience of each one of us is the spirit, the determination to cast off the old person and rise to the level of one's true potential. But the way is rough, and the course is not downhill so discovered a young man named John Hellander from Juttabori, Sweden. John is 26 years of age. He's handicapped. He cannot control and coordinate the motions of his body. Yet at a youth conference at Kungsbaka, Sweden, John Hellander determined to participate in a 1,500-meter running race. He had no chance to win. His was the opportunity to be humiliated, mocked, derided, scorned. Maybe he thought of another who lived long ago in a faraway place we call the Holy Land. Wasn't he mocked? Wasn't he derided? Wasn't he scorned? Yet he won his race. Maybe John Hillander could run and win his. And what a race it was, surging, thrusting, the field of runners at the sound of the starter's gun, bolted far beyond poor John Hillander. The audience wondered, who is this straggler? Is he hurt? Yet on he struggled. The field of runners were moving quickly. They were now in their second lap of the two-lap race while they passed John struggling midway through his first lap. Then they moved toward the finish line. The audience became excited. The cheers went up. Who would win? Who would be second? And with a final burst of speed, the tape was broken. The winners were declared. The race was over. Or was it really over? Who is that one participant struggling way back there? Doesn't he know he's lost? Doesn't he understand the race is concluded? John Hillander knew, but he also knew this was his race, and he must run it, and he must win it. On and on he struggled. Finally, the audience ceased its curiosity. Every eye was upon him. Awe had now turned to admiration. Each person saw himself or herself, running his or her race of life. And as John came toward the conclusion of that race, the as one just stood up, and then they watched as this young participant, struggling, falling, exhausted, but victorious, broke the newly fastened tape. Officials are human, too. The cheering could be heard for miles, But if you had the right ear, maybe you could hear that great scorekeeper saying, well done, thou good and faithful servant. The race of life is for all of us. Comforting is the fact there are many runners, reassuring the knowledge that the scorekeeper is fair, challenging that each must run. But you and I do not run alone. That great audience of family and friends and leaders and teachers, we will cheer our courage and applaud our determination as we rise from our stumblings and run well that race. Remember the words of the hymn, Fear not, I am with thee, O oh, be not dismayed, for I am thy God and will still give thee aid. I'll comfort thee, help thee, and cause thee to stand, upheld by my righteous, omnipotent hand. The soul that on Jesus hath leaned for repose, I will not, I cannot, desert to my foes. That soul, though all hell, endeavors to shake. I'll never, no, never, no, never forsake. Let us abandon any thought of failure. Let us cast away any habit that would hinder. Let us, my brothers and sisters, run the race of life and win the coveted prize, exaltation, in the celestial kingdom of our God. This would be my wish and my prayer. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.